Hi, I'm Josh. Hi, I'm Mikey. This is a podcast about racing. Sometimes we talk about racing. And sometimes we don't. This is the crossover. We get 30 seconds before we get in trouble. Well, stop playing the music. I'll fade it out. How, how about that? Is there a fade out option on there? Uh, yeah, it's, there's, it's called it's the, vo- the it's volume called vo- knob. It's called the volume button. Man, welcome to the crossover. Looks uh, uh, Michael's drinking something uh, different tonight. It's, it's a, is I, that a beer? I have to remember to turn it back up so we can yeah, hear him. So we can actually hear him. Is that a beer? It is. It's a shandy. Oh, that's fancy. Uh, first rule one shot. I'm excited about today, but we've only got like a couple. Have, has he confirmed? Yeah, he's in. He's on board. I don't think he's ever listened. That's fine. It's I okay. Think, I think he just heard us say for the very first time he he's never listened. Because I'm positive he's going to listen to his own episode. Right. I don't most, blame him. Most do. So rule one shot. Today's shot brought to you by uh, Bootleggers Moonshine. This is the Mocha. And Bootleggers Moonshine is out. It's uh, I forget the name of the city. It's out near Cosby, Tennessee. It is off the beaten path. It is not going to be where the tourists go. Cosby, Tennessee, huh? Yeah, it's uh, Hartford. No relation. Hartford, Tennessee. And it's very yummy stuff. And then uh, that backed up by a Goose Island 312 uh, Lemonade Shandy. Not a huge Goose Island fan, so I've never noticed this before. Mm-hmm. The pull tab on top of the can has a Chicago star stamped in it. Oh, that's cool. And that made me feel really awesome. That's so, cool, man. Cheers. Cheers. I'm drinking this pure aqua fret water. What? Fret water. Fr- yeah. It's got a little <laughs> over the U. Yeah. So it's supposed to make it, it say just a long sound. So oh, so fruit. Yeah. It's from, is it from Aldi or Kroger? Mm. Aldi? Oh, yeah. Aldi. Mm. Oh, dude. So I've been contemplating. Oh, you know, I it just occurred to me the reason that, <laughs> and we're going to have to hit the pause button, the reason that most of our interview shows just go straight into the interview is because we talk to the guests for a couple minutes to prep them for what's going to happen. Yeah. So we should... So look, let's pretend that we've pot like we. Th- no, 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 there's no pause. I don't know what you're talking about because we can just go straight into because through the magic of editing, you can just say, you know what I realized this week. What? Actually, it's not just week. I've noticed it before, but I keep forgetting it. When you and I bank a bunch of episodes and we go like ten days, when we don't talk to each other face to face, we start getting angry at each other. Yeah, it sucks. We start like getting shitty with each other over text. It's like we're it's like we're like a like divorcees. I mean, maybe. <laughs> You know, I've had there've been a couple of times I'll type something out and just like real furiously mother and then it dawns on me like if he was sitting across from me Would you say it that way? I wouldn't say it that way right. and probably the situation wouldn't exist. I'll be honest with you, I've taken three texts of yours out of context in the sense of, Oh my god, he's so mad at me, I feel like an asshole. There was so and maybe we'll talk about this on a separate episode. You did one thing that really got under my skin because it's a pet peeve. But you don't know it's a pet peeve. Right. So this, it wasn't really fair. And I spent like a fucking day hating on you for and then it. And then I made a joke about it. And, and then you were yeah. like, I don't air our fights yeah, yeah, in the yeah, group yeah. chat. I'm like, oh, fuck. He's right. I'm well, an asshole. Well, no, it's not that. It's like, you know, every, you know when I take a conversation private in right. the group chat. It's serious. Well, it's not serious. I just don't want to air this in front of everybody else because there's other shit I don't want other people's opinions for. Right. Because it has to do with me and you. Some of it, honestly has to do with show stuff where right, I don't, you'll bring something up about the show and like solicit opinions and I'll go to you and say, hey, listen, I love everybody we talk to, but it's our show. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And I don't know. What is this? Oh, those are your burnt ends. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Love you. I'm so excited. Um, I made burnt ends for those that can't see, which is everybody but Josh and my wife, although she just left. Oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. Is it good? No, okay, no that's way. good. He, okay. This is a huge get. Dude. Although, in fairness, we hadn't asked. We asked one time, or you asked one a time. A long time ago. And he was, no, no, I mean, oh, did you really? A long, long time ago, but that's okay. fine. All right. So you're drinking, you're drinking this, this lemonade beer. Yeah, it's. I mean, most shandies are like beer with a splash of lemonade. This kind of tastes like lemonade with a splash of beer. It's really, really sweet. This will be the only one I have. I'm really happy I've got some of the the bush light in the cooler here. Yeah, how much bush light do you have in there? I mean, enough to record. That's what's up. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Trust me, I'm not worried. Dude, these burn ends are great. That's good. You're not really eating them. I've only had one. Let me pace myself. Are yeah. these candied on the end? No. Feels kind of sticky. And that's why we're going back to single single shows. Why? The doubles were awesome. Because we're going to we run burn, out of content. Did we already burn through everything? Yes, we're going to run out of content. Shit. So, I mean, unless you want to record two times a week. I mean, I'd be fine with that. My, my wife, I love my wife. I, and I know I've mentioned that before. She's a beautiful lady. She she asked, what time is Josh coming? And I said, uh, 7.30. And she's like, fuck, you guys are going to run late. I said, honey, he comes 7.30 every Tuesday night. That's that's our schedule. Like, how's that any if different? It's, if it's an issue, w- listen, we can change it. We absolutely can. Yeah. And she was like, oh, yeah, I guess he does. <laughs> I, I can't win. <laughs> I absolutely can't win. Like, I think the longest we've ever recorded a show is like four hours. Yeah. We did like four separate shows. Well, yeah, when Dan was here. Yeah, God, that was crazy. Those were good shows. They were. Well, they got. Dan pointed this out this week, and he was absolutely correct. They got better the more we did. Yeah. Um, but I think that's because you and I were doing just fine. But Dan was getting more comfortable. He, yeah, he was. He's not used to it. Right. You know, I yeah, he was self conscious about it, which I understand. Right, which is fine. Yeah. You know, because everybody has to start somewhere, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> And you know that he so the very first the very first episode we record he barely talks at all about and and right. he, you know by the time he's wrapped wrapping up he's like oh I gotta I gotta get a good microphone at home and gotta figure to, out how to record with you guys right it's like whoa wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's it's nice to it's nice to see that let me talk to the executive producer that first. he wants to I mean I'm <clears throat> he's I mean okay he's he's now seen he's now seen it he's definitely Dan is definitely hey. the um, yeah I heard you. Dan is definitely the you know the unofficial third member of the show for sure, the co co host. That's right. The assistant to the co host. Oh man, big day on the phone. Yeah. So Are you before we before we do the introduction? Yes. When we started this in February, February mm-hmm. or March? Yeah, March. Would you imagine not only that this next guest would be on? No. But that he would have just come off his fourth. Three-hour endurance win. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, the man himself, Ben Tunney, thank you so yeah. much for taking <laughs> the up, time. What's up, dude? Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Man, we're we're oh. just so excited to, to have you on board. We have a lot of questions. We do, we're, and I, we're probably not going to get through them all. No, we probably won't, so we might have to have you on again at another time, <laughs> maybe in a, well, maybe in a month or two. I like asking questions, too, so right, awesome. I, I was known to ask too many questions and, and not let anybody get time to answer me and then already have another one lined up, so I'm, I like answering them. It's okay. Well, the, okay. All right, so first of all, congratulations on your fourth uh, three-hour figure-eight win. That is 
thank you very much. That has got to be that has got to be a, a, a hell of a trip doing three hours. Real quick, I'm just gonna dive right into it. Uh, Go ahead. Um, Ben, I don't know if you know Wes Stegman, but uh, <laughs> but he asked me. We're, we're already doing listener questions. No, I know. We're, we're like this is this is how bad it is. So basically, what he wants to know, he's he's got some uh, curious questions about um, the recovery from the three hour. You know, okay. like so questions are like, you know, post three hour recovery. You know, how much did you party? How much did you sleep in the following days? Were there any physical soreness, fatigue, and how long was that recovery? And I know why Wes is asking because Wes. Someday wants to do the three-hour figure eight. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. He, I guarantee you, he'll. Doesn't he's already, matter. He's already answered this, but whatever. Go okay, ahead. Okay, Ben. Ben, uh, please. Yeah. Uh, well, every year, every race is a little different. Um, for some reason, this year I was probably the least uh, fatigued and had the least recovery time that I felt like, and I, I'm almost sure that it was due to it not being super hot, and we ran the regular season tires, which are a little slower speed, so you aren't carrying as much speed through the turns when you're and when your car does carry a lot of speed through the turns with that much grip that we typically used to have on the on the real big tires for three hour uh your body you use your body to hold yourself up in the seat you don't just relax and flop over and lay in there uh you control your body with your arms and your legs and stuff like that your back and the faster you're going and the more tensed up you are it it makes it harder to hold your weight up and I'm a bigger guy, so my weight throws around a lot. And uh, I felt like, and um, I mean, I was tired and wore out and ready for it to be over, but not near as bad as sometimes. Sometimes I felt like you could climb out of the car and you take that first step down. You didn't know if you're going to be able to catch your footing, like you're going to fall over, and then couldn't catch your breath, and you know, couldn't get cooled off enough. And then other times, this time I was just sweating some, and I was pretty pretty wore out ready to be done but not like that i had pretty good footing and stability but uh, as usual in the past years that i have won the three hour i don't i'm not a big drinker or partier like on a normal on a normal deal just on a friday night or out with friends i, I go out and stuff and i'll i'll social drink a little bit but i don't i don't get wasted and hammered and all that stuff so even when i win you would think you'd be so happy you want to get trashed, but I'm just excited, like mentally, emotionally, like satisfied from having the win. But I'm so drained that I just want to eat and lay down. <laughs> I'm just ready to eat and have some snacks and lay down and relax. And then, like you did say about relaxing the next day, yeah, I probably I probably didn't get up till I don't know 10 or 11 or something. And usually I've been waking up between eight and nine, so slept in a little bit but I, I would uh, yeah i would have i would definitely say you had the right to sleep in a little bit you brought but it up usually like the the ones where you're more sore like when you get home and say if you don't sleep with any tv on or nothing it's just pitch black silence here anytime i run like a race probably i'd say 100 laps or more uh my ears will be ringing so i just sit there and hear like a high-pitched ring from the sound of that long in the car being that loud and i don't i don't wear earplugs or nothing or radios or nothing like that but um you'll feel that and then like when you get up the first step out of bed the next day it's like oh oh god that's hurt now. <laughs> so every step you feel like an old man just can't straighten your back up <laughs> just trying to go take a leak in the morning you're like i don't know if i'll make it to the bathroom it's terrible and then you want to go lay back down it takes like a whole feels like to me you ever take a vacation and you get back and you're like, I need a vacation from vacation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm beat. That's how the three hour did me. I felt like I was on a, on a thrill the whole week and fired up. And then when it was over, I felt like I needed a vacation from vacation again. I was just beat, 
didn't have no motivation. I was just done in. But uh, this year, for some reason, less than normal. Uh, I think it's the heat mixed with the speed thing, though. So let, let's let's hop in the time machine. Let's go back to 2009, your first win. I, I'd uh-huh. love to know how this one, because at that point, your first, if I if I if I'm correct, your first uh, three hours and it was in 2004. Uh, if I don't think you finished, um, but then the very next year you hit 462 laps, finished eighth. But then in 09 you finished first. So I, I'd love to know how this win compares with your very first win. Yeah, it's a it's a lot different. Your mindset and uh, your expectations are different for sure. The the field was different. The the pace was different, but I mean, looking back, just pretend like if I was going into that weekend and don't know anything about the future, I I feel like I had really high hopes of running good. I just started. I did, our first three hour I ran was 03. I got tenth, but I had something happen right at the very end and didn't finish the last like couple minutes. And then 04, I don't remember what happened. 05, I think I got fourth or something like that or eighth maybe I it was know, eighth yeah pretty deep that. yeah it was oh five so oh six i was on the front row but uh didn't finish because the motors messed up oh seven was somewhere pretty i think third i think i fell out in that one oh eight that was oh seven uh when i got third duck greg won mm-hmm. that one was close to winning i had flat two flat tires at the end but so anyway back to oh nine i just felt like that year there was a stack field you had uh, Jack Dawsey Jr. still running. Uh, Bruce Tunney was still running. R.J. Norton, Doug Gregg, Fidel, R.J. Norton. Uh, my cousin Mark. Well, no, Mark didn't run that year. Bruce ran his car. Rodney Sizemore. There was a lot of, in my in my opinion, big names that were legends and heroes of the sport as a childhood for me growing up. So in my head, I'm just like, I just want to be up there in the mix with those guys, like doing what they do and trying to, learn from them be competitive with them to show that hey i'm trying to get better this is what i want to do my whole life and look i'm up here doing it with the best of them and then as the race went on you know i always had played it extra cautious probably too safe and cost myself ground trying to be too careful probably still even did that this year some and um then it's all of a sudden you just you look up and there's hardly any guys left in front of you and you're like what the heck's happening to everybody and then <laughs> and next thing you know you're leading or you're running second and at one point in that race me and my dad were first and second and i was i'm just gonna follow him and when i followed yeah. him i was like his car is terrible it ain't very fast so i'm just gonna follow behind this is pretty cool and then like a couple laps after that he got hit in the crossover by rj norton and uh uh I was like, oh, God, dang, that was terrible. <laughs> and I was like, well, now I'm leaving. I was like, Jesus, I hope that ain't me. And then I just went over next to him, asked if he was okay, and he just gave me a thumbs up, like, go win, go get him. I was like, okay, jeez. Well, now I get to be the one picked off. Everybody else has been killed except for me, so how am I still here? The best of the best was in front of me, and they're all they're all been having bad luck and getting taken out. I'm like, now how am I expected supposed to not have anything happen? And then, you know, the race goes on, and Rodney Sizemore was – running there with me on the lead lap and you know, i was trying to just buy my time i every time i look up in the three hour there'll be even if it's 30 minutes to go i'm like 30 minutes is forever because i've ran the one hour figure eight so many times i'm like when there's 30 minutes to go there's still a bazillion laps it feels like probably 100 so i'm like there's no reason to get in a hurry here you just need to keep yourself close so i don't i'm not one of the guys that looks to try to lead laps i just try to stay in touch 
and then save it for like 15 minutes or 10 minutes to go and then it's, then it's everything you got for last 50 laps or whatever and it comes down to a lot of times in the three hour where they just a lot of guys aren't even there they don't make it then you're like well now i just need to not hit nothing and that year <laughs> when it all worked out when it all worked out for me and i won i was just caught by surprise like i didn't feel like a winner because i didn't go out and set the pace and lead the laps and take the race by the throat and just put it on them and win the thing i just kind of which if you think about it, though 90 percent of the three hours this is how it happens you you maintain a good pace you're right there within striking distance and then things happen attrition takes place cars crash cars have mechanical problems and if you're pit stop and everything goes well you're right there and that's just what happened and I, so i didn't feel like a world champion so i didn't feel like i went out there and you know took it from him and beat him i felt like i just got it you know it just came to me and so so i was shocked and but thrilled at the same time that i finally i was one of the guys that that i wanted to be growing up i was one of them now and uh never thought it would happen at a young age never thought i may not even ever do it because i seen how hard it was for my dad to do it and i you know i thought the world of him as a person and a driver i'm like if it's that hard for him to do it you know i, I may never i may never do it but i sure sure want to and so, then so this is different back then so let's talk about uh strategy for this race um it, uh -huh. it was brought up a lot although you know we were I've talked to we've talked to several drivers and I was told not to bring it up unless you brought it up and then you did. So I want to thank you for bringing up the tire situation. Uh, okay. Every driver that I talked to kind of said the exact same thing. I wonder where you stand on this. If the track hadn't mentioned it, if it hadn't been publicized, no one would have ever known the difference except for the drivers. Do, do you kind of feel the same way? Yeah, the fans wouldn't know the difference. The drivers would have been the only ones that know because you could feel it in the car, obviously. But yeah. And we said that when they announced that, that this was going to happen, you have a lot of drivers that favor and want those big tires, but the main reason that they want them isn't because they go fast. It's because they have so much grip that make your car feel good. So the guys that cars can turn real good, but they lack grip and stuff, they're like, yeah, I, just, I love big tires. My car is so good on big tires. It's like, well, everybody's car is good on big tires. They all gain <laughs> a million miles an hour. It's just they think they're better. And they're like, yeah, well, I don't run with crap on little tires. On the big ones, I stand a chance. I was like, yeah, because freaking go balls to the walls for 50 laps. Anybody can be fast, but it's hard to make them last. But the race is just so freaking crazy with the with those big tires on. You add another uh, drop, another second to second and a half per lap on the speed around a fifth mile. So you're gaining a second to second and a half on a fifth or fifth or quarter miles of time frame that's a big speed difference there and it makes the decision time way less at the intersection and stuff like that it feels like you're just turning the corner and just hammer down just go it's all just all you can get all the time and when you're driving like that your car is on edge and such a handful you're you feel like you're hanging on for dear life just flying around there and when something happens it's all so quick you just don't have time to react to anything and I'm not saying that, you know, last few years I've crashed out of them on the first 50 laps. And I don't know if it's because of just luck or the way things worked out and timing, or maybe it's because they got so fast that I could, maybe I just couldn't keep up with the, the way things are happening in front of me. I don't know. But this year slowed it down for me. It didn't, it felt pretty wild, but felt like I could react to it and make, you know, make maneuvers to adjust the car for hitting things. Yeah, uh, so you kind of answered my question. I was going to ask, like, do you think that they had run on the 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 ten inches or 
as I've heard so many people affectionately call them. I don't know if they're, were they 10 inches? I'm sorry, what am I talking about? Yeah, the 10 Yeah, in, yeah, yeah the 10s, the the they ran on it. Yeah. Okay, so so the the um, the affectionate term I've heard them called is big meats. Do you feel that, yeah. <laughs> do you feel that, um, that the race would have been, this is going to probably sound crazy, uh, would have been uh, more, uh, there, there would have been more laps and more uh, potential for accidents in, in the crossover as well as in other places on the track? Yeah, I feel like there, um, if we have for sure did more laps just because it would have went so much faster. On top of that, we probably would have annihilated each other so much quicker that <laughs> everybody after the race talked about this three hours one of the better ones they've seen in forever. And I'm like, well, I don't know how that there was no one racing with me at the end. And they, said, they were like, well, it's because there's way more cars than usual. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, whenever I'm out there, when you're out there for three hours, anything feels like plenty enough at the time but you don't realize to the fans how much it fizzles out i guess when you're in the car it gradually happens as a fan you just see it go from chaos to uh, calm i guess or normal and anyway so when you know when the big tires i think the field would have fizzled out so you would have had a higher speed tire on the car with less cars on the track which gives you more open room to go harder so i guarantee it would have turned a lot of laps but probably would have been less cars running i think the little ones made for a better race and because of all that all the combination things and i had probably 90 percent of the drivers that i asked after the race what they thought on top of the fans every fan said they loved it uh from comparison to before but all the drivers except for probably one said that they liked it a lot better with the little tires are you going to tell us who that one is ben Do I need to go back and bleep that out? Yeah, do you want us to bleep that out? I don't care. (laughs) He came up to me and uh, talked, telling me congratulations, like nothing bad. And and he said something about his transmission broke or something. Mm. I don't know. And and I said, would you like it better with these tires or what do you think? And he said, "Ah, I I mean, just me, in my opinion, I like the big ones better. But I said, why? What do you like better? He just said, I don't know. I just think you can – I just think you can pass better or something. I was like, pass better? He came from last to the front. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. It was like he was passing everybody. But, see, the thing is, is people think that a faster, more grip tire, you can run side by side. Well, you normally can't hang on the outside because you don't have no grip in those little tires. It's like, yeah, well, the big one, guess what? It ain't like you're the only guy that gets a big one, so you get to go on the outside pass the guy with little tires. That guy on the inside is going faster now, too, so it really ain't no easier. It's actually harder because on little tires, they go in the turn and they don't have any grip. They, they push up or get sideways and lose a little control, or, and you can make moves and get by them or get next to them. And on a big, good tire, the car just sticks almost anywhere you want it. And if you're behind a guy, how are you going to pass him? He's carrying a lot of speed. He's running the bottom. I mean, what are you supposed to do? He can't do nothing. He ain't slipping up. He's not sideways. He ain't really pushing. He's, he's got some good speed behind him, so you're just stuck waiting on a crossover something to make him check up and then in cases it ends up making you check up and another guy gets in front of you like well now i got two more guys i don't know how to pass in front of me (laughs) (laughs) little tires they go in there and they get all squirrely and push up you can cut under them they go in there hit the concrete on the pit in they get sideways and or whatever there's all kinds of things you can do and i just think that makes for a better race but every other driver said that they thought besides him told me they thought it was better and uh, I don't know, every fan said the same thing when they come in. Oh, it was way better this year. And I remember when they first uh, announced that we were going to go to the little tires, 
everybody's kind of like took wind out of their sails they're a little bit like slumped down about it and i said you know what this guy this this might be a blessing in disguise i said when this race is over this year i bet we'll all be saying why don't we just run on them every year then we don't have to worry about holding them and saving them from the year before and putting them in a shelf all covered up trying to keep them from drying out and then pull them back out and mount them all up and hope you got some saved to practice on when you could just save whatever you want all year long and then all you got to do is show up same stuff as always and you're ready to go and still the greatest race on the planet absolutely it's the greatest race so you want to so real quick we'll give you our perspective on this uh not that uh not that we're the guest here this this is our first one this is our yeah so these two yeah these two idiots that you're talking to we host a podcast about not just figure eight racing but specifically almost exclusively the speed drone right this is our first one there and we've we've been told by our buddy dan dan from austin um, if you get a chance to listen to the show, Dan comes up often. Uh, he's he's well, he's been going since he was eight or nine years old. Mm-hmm. And and Ben, he's your age. And he said uh, he had first of all, he had to talk us into going. Second of all, he said, I'm happy that this was your first three hour because it was the best that I have absolutely the best I've ever seen. And that was echoed right, by where's he from? He, well, he's from Indy, but he moved out to uh, to Austin, Texas for a job. And uh, he decided he wants to be lame and stay there. But he flies in literally every year sp- just for the three hour. And how did you guys hear about it since it's your first year? Well, we've been coming to the Speed Drone for four, right, four yeah. years. This four- is this is probably my fourth full season. And it's Michael's okay. third, second or third full season. Yeah. And um, I th- were there almost every Saturday. Right. Before this race, before this three hour, before Dan talked us into it, honestly. I, right. And, and I'm just being honest about that. It didn't seem. It seemed like, man, that's a long race. Right. That's a long time. To but sit then you there. do the math in your head, and you're like, you're only, you're not watching. So then, in in my brain, the way the way I, I justified it is that normally, <clears throat> on any given night, you know, the racing starts at seven. You have to sit through uh, too many fast cars, uh, some factory front wheel drives, <laughs> and <laughs> and and legends cars before we get to before we get to the the the, the big boys, the, the good stuff. Right. So, but so in my brain, I was like, it's three hours, sure, but. It's three hours of the good stuff that I want to see, so it's like I'm right. not I'm not ready to go home. I don't have to pee. None of that stuff. I'm just ready to you know ready to focus on racing and have a good time. And and as we got closer and closer, um, there were a few times when I considered bailing and leaving, even the day of. But but well, I'm, that's because you got there. So listen, he's he's not mentioning this. He is he doesn't so he doesn't drink at all. He's a teetotaler. He got talked into tailgating, which means he just went and sat in the sun and didn't do any of the fun stuff. That's right. So, uh, so I'm getting, I'm hopping in the car, headed there, and he's like, "Hey man, he's wanting to go home." He's like, "Hey man," <laughs> he's, yeah, he's like, "Hey man, I might bail." I'm like, "Wait, dude, you paid? You're for already the, there, right? You're there, and you paid for the tickets. What are you talking about?" So, so he went and laid in his car, which does not have air conditioning. No, it's worse. It made it worse. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go up to the stands. Got up to the stands, sat down. The breeze started to come in. What a beautiful night we oh got. Oh, my God. I, I, I'm telling yeah, you what. After the after, after the shit show that was the 2020 season, and I've said this before, shout out to Kevin Garrigus and the entire crew for making the best of, it, of the 2020 season. I don't want to take anything away from that. However, it was a diminished show. There was nothing you could do about it. Right. You could yeah, not have asked for, yeah. You couldn't have asked for better weather, yep. a better race, better drivers, and an amazing crowd. There was there was amazing crowd. Oh my god! Everything there was good, wasn't it? 
there was good, clean, non-dangerous, but buck- puckering crossover action <laughs> from lap one. Yeah. We had we had the the um, we had uh, Danger Doodle Ferris on on the lead lap from the very first lap because we because someone fell yeah, out. Alternate and fired he, out. That's yeah. Calvin yep. And he's a time. fan favorite. Uh, I've I've been pretty vocal. I'm I'm not a huge fan of Doodle, but we've ev- heard. But everybody else loves him. Um, you know, I want to say Tim Logue, the second alternate, was on the track within two or three laps. Yeah. It was just an exciting – I cannot wait. I walked out of there talking about not only am I coming next year, I'm renting a freaking RV, I'm going to camp out, I'm not leaving the grounds the entire time. And then yeah. and then my uh, – not that uh, gambling is illegal, so this didn't happen, but if, my, if we did have a pool, my wife pulled your name, so I got to cheer for the winner the whole damn race. Which was awesome. Um, <laughs> that worked out. So let so let's talk about those last few laps. You you and Austin were neck and let neck the entire time. Can you talk about what right. happened to Austin's car? Yeah, I guess the way when Tommy St. John tried to shoot out there on Austin, they both kind of started to veer away from each other, but obviously couldn't get veered all the way from any contact. And the bump, the way the bump hit, it did something with Austin's tie rod or spindle or lower a frame and. It didn't take much, but it broke it or bent something on the front end, and he wasn't able to steer. So he was just mad trying to get off the track, so then he just went completely nuts and pissed and on the gas and couldn't steer it to control it. So he was ready to go off the track, and then when he, he pitted, he, someone, obviously I wasn't in there, they said he just a freaking <laughs> got, and he went and took the fire out of it, and then that was it. And he said, here, thanks, and then, uh, then came back and, and then I finished the race, whatever. But then at the time, at that point, Mark was still in it. So I was worried about sure uh, who who would have the better car for the last five minutes, you know. That's what I was stressing about then. I knew Austin was going to be good. I thought Mark was just playing playing us. I was like, he's, he's laying back. He's about to turn it on here in a second, which I was trying to do the same. But Austin was making it hard because he kept trying to take off on us. So I was like, well, I need to get up there and just ride behind Austin. So I was doing that with Jeff Harmon, then Austin passed us both, and I was like, oh, there he goes. He, he can't wait <laughs> to get out there and take off. So I was like, I'm going to drive a little harder and catch up to him and try to get up there and ride behind him, and then that happened. And I barely skated by without getting hit, and I was like, man, that was close. And then, then something happened to Mark right after, and I was like, wow, I couldn't believe all that happened. Something to Jeff Harmon, Austin, and Mark all within like a 15-minute period or less. And, uh, and I was like, well, I know – some guys are pretty close. I just need to not hit nothing. And I just went into survival mode then. But that's pretty much all it was. We didn't get to get to the battling part. But I guarantee if it got to the last 10 minutes or five minutes with me, Mark, and Austin, oh, God, it's going to – I don't know what would have happened, but it probably would have got uglier than anybody's ever seen it get. <laughs> but it probably have been like the super cleanest, hardest races you ever seen with the best moves and traffic and crossover and splitting cars and – cutting the middle marker and just any creative pass that you could think of was going to happen. It was going to get good. And then, and the best car was going to probably win, but I don't know who it would have been though, but luckily. So you've talked about two, two things that I, that I'd love to touch on. You talked about, uh, you talked about consistency, steady Eddie being the guy that keeps it cool. Just run the best car, run the best laps that you can. Don't try and do anything flashy. I want to say, I don't think you give yourself enough credit simply because if you don't run that race that way every time, you're not in a position to capitalize 
on you know the kind of things that like happen to Austin. The second thing that I I, I that I want to ask you, and I'm pretty sure yeah. I know how you're going to answer this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I, from what I, from talking to you, I can tell you're kind of a humble guy. Do you feel like you belong there? Do you feel like you belong in the winner's circle, or you you know have you reached a point where and I where you feel feel like you've earned it? Uh yeah, this year I guess I did because I was feeling like I had a pretty fast car. But I was playing it careful and safe and patient, and I didn't try to push any issue to, to keep myself up in the front. But, you know, I get as tempted as you get where you want to shove it under somebody and get around them. I didn't. I just kind of had to sit and ride and fall back a little bit. Then next thing you know, you're, you're back up in the front with them. But I, I usually, you know, felt like I fall into it in a way, but in my head, I know that part of that's because I wasn't going as hard as them. So I'm like, if I was going all out, pushing the issue, being aggressive, forcing moves that I know would be good for track position, but bad for risky and finishing, then maybe I would have been that dominant car I was talking about. But that's just not how I played my cards in the three hours. Well, listen, man, you got to be doing something correct. You know, I, I know that you talked about aggressive driving, but we've seen we've seen aggressive driving. We've seen overly. I mean, I think it's I'm not over- going to say overly. I'm just going to say we've seen aggressive drivers, ah. and I think they cost themselves position. I think they cost themselves money in tearing up the car. And, you know, you. I'm going to let you be humble because chances are that's what makes you really good at what you're doing. But I'm telling you right now, buddy, looking at the stats, just looking at the, the world figure eight, tour stats looking at the number of wins looking up looking up at the number of feature starts that you have feature wins that you have i'm going to tell you i don't care if you believe it you belong to be you belong there yeah you're you're, you're right exactly where where all of your effort has put you well that's what i shoot for and want like you know I, as humble as i might sound or act or whatever in my head and my heart all i'm trying to do is honestly be the best at it and uh, I doubt myself a lot, but I try super hard as far as learning about the race cars, uh, putting the time in to make it good, but also uh, as a child growing up, just like studying every aspect of the sport and strictly the speed drone figure eight. And, you know, I grew up studying these race tapes and I saw how all the good ones did it, and I I learned from their mistakes. Uh, but, you know, now I'm just trying to put it to good use. But I want to go down as the best to do it, but it's like someone trying to beat Michael Jordan now. As it's probably not going to happen, but that's what I want. Well, when you talk about beat, when you talk about beating the best or being up there with the best, who do you consider the best? Let's, let's go through the names that in your head are the guys that you want to be like. Well, I always have this discussion with my friends and stuff, but I always look back at, like, if you put everybody in the same exact car and started the speed drum history over, who would you think would be the most winning driver then? And after watching so many tapes, regardless of how good their cars were, just studying their moves and how they work traffic and how smart they are, I still think you put uh, Jack Dawsey, Wayne Arnold, Bruce Tunney, Dwayne Lee, like right there is the top four. 
All right, so listen, you you brought up the car. Let's talk about your car real quick. Specifically, uh, uh-huh. um, I don't want to I don't want to get off the phone with you. Not that we're rushing to get off the phone. I just want to make sure because we've forgotten to do this. Let's talk uh-huh. about um, your crew, your sponsors. Who do you want to talk about? Who do you want to thank? Especially because uh, you know they they kind of deserve a mention. Yeah, there's a bunch of people. I'll probably get annoying with thinking how many people I got to thank. But I well, I got some notes here. If you miss any, I've got some notes here. If you miss anyone, I'll let you know. Yeah, I'll probably run out of minutes on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> now the uh, big new sponsor I come on at the end of last year was uh, Tim Harding with Buckingham's Fortville Auto Salvage and Trim. Yeah, he's been a big contributor this year, and another one is Super Kings Indy. He's another guy that I got on the wing. I'm like, oh, his, his name and his wife's name is David and Lisa Sneath. They own a vape shop on the south side from Beach Grove over to my U of I. And uh, they've been great supporters of mine for probably the last five or four years. And uh, then we've been gradually trying to get some new ones uh, because some of the older ones are dropping out. Uh, Soapy Joe's come on this year with Greg Holford. Uh I see we're working on a, a new owner at Thompson House took over. They're still coming on board next year. We just had our car out there last week. Uh, Pro Touch Mowing. That's a, a second cousin of mine, a grandson of Jim Tunney, Ryan Tunney. He owns that business and supports me every year. Uh, Shepherd Sample Auto Care Center, uh, Mark Tunney's car owner. Been a great help to me for the last six years or so. Uh, Bruce Tunney with T8 race cars built me a great race car none of the success recently would be possible he and Mark hadn't helped me like this uh, my engine builder Joe Williamson he's put together a good piece that's been reliable ran a lot of laps this year and uh, thank him for him doing all this work for me uh, Thunderstruck Performance Breedlove Automotive Baker Boys Appliance S&M Painting and Drywall, Dobbs Metalworks, Kentucky Clutch, Tony's Auto Sales. Uh, I think that's about it, finally. Bob's two-door pizza. <laughs> uh, now, and a lot of these sponsors, you might, might think, geez, look at all the money he's getting. But some of them, they just do nice favors for you, so you feel like you owe them a thank you, and you just put their name on the car. That's cool. So so then I got to ask. Thousands of dollars, but sometimes it's just some favors. All right, well, I, then we need to start talking about favors because I'd give anything to get stop our, it. To get our stop sh- it, Michael. <laughs> to get our show logo on your sorry, car. Ben. <laughs> oh, God, that was that was uh, interesting. You were kind of whiny, but I, I was. Told, I told you don't go. You're not. You're not a tailgater, right? You're just. Not. And I was like, no, f- uh, uh, screw you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm pretty sure Ben's heard the word fuck before. Well, I'm trying to be nice and respectful. Okay. Well, then I'm sorry. Shit. I'm sorry. I wasn't. Sorry, nice Ben. Uh, so, so. <laughs> so, uh, no, and I was like, hey, I, I'll, I'll go because I wanted to prove you wrong. And boy, he was right. I so. was, yeah, I was, I was kind of right. Oh. Um, one last question I have for you that I think Josh has one for you. You've been there since you were a little kid. Talk to me about how, the current track management, how you feel about the things that they're doing compared to, not to dog anybody, but where we are in the journey of the Speedrome now as opposed to, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, the track has done a great job of rebuilding and revamping it the last few years since Kevin Garrigas took over. But um, the world and the 
economy and everything's different circumstances. I think he's trying to build all the classes up in the smartest way possible, but uh, things outside of his control is making it hard for that. Back in the days where I was going out there as a kid, it's like everything just came easy. There was cars everywhere, drivers everywhere, fans showing up every week, and they didn't even have to put in a huge effort to make it happen. It was just there. So they had some kind of magical combination that was perfect for a recipe for a perfect racetrack and racing. And now, looking looking back at that, it gives you such a high standard to compare to. And uh, I think Kevin's done everything possible to try to get us back to that point of racing and, and fan involvement and getting lots of people in the seats and the stands. And uh, the only thing I think of looking back as a kid that is missing is Kevin O'Neill. I loved hearing him on the PA. It felt like home. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who on the PA? Kevin O'Neill. We'll, we'll oh, talk Kevin, to him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll, yep. we'll talk to him. So, um, so I guess you know you, you've mentioned you mentioned you know kind of how you got into figure eight racing and uh-huh. and all that. But but my question as you're coming into as you're coming into the crossover. What no pun intended crosses your mind as you as you, I'm, I wasn't even trying to be funny as you uh, a- enter into the crossover. Like what? How does how does it feel to know that there's a potential that there could be uh, at any time uh, that another car could come out of well not out of nowhere but could could uh, could could hit you? I think it goes through phases as a driver. When you're new to it, you're just thinking, "Oh God, this is freaking nuts!" <laughs> hit me. And then uh, the the more you test the, I don't know, test your luck with the crossover, test the devil. You uh, shoot through there a few times and you learn from it and get better. And the closer you get, the more often you do, you start to trust yourself and the other competitors. And uh, after you've gotten hit a few times, you start to just have faith that you'll be okay. Okay. <laughs> like, oh, I got hit before and I came out. I can handle it again. So we'll shoot through there because I want to win. But there's a lot of science and method that goes into each decision, but you just can't see it because it happens in the snap of a finger. And that's something that I don't know if it can be taught. It just comes instinctively. You're either pretty good at it or you're not. Okay. And uh, but I don't maybe not because I started out. I was stopping and riding around. I was kind of you know like one of them guys that just makes laps. I stopped and got out of the way I didn't do a lot of half laps but a couple and uh, I didn't want to just jump in and force myself to do something I really knew I wasn't comfortable so I I actually tipped my toes in the water gradually until I felt comfortable before I dived in so maybe you can learn it but a lot of guys just go out there with the mindset like I'm as good as you I'm not scared I'm just gonna go for it you guys ain't gonna you know, intimidate me. Doodle. And these guys go out there over their head and make a lot of mistakes and tear a lot of stuff up and yeah. aren't willing to listen or learn very well. Listen, let's be let, let's let's just admit it. He's talking about Doodle Ferris. Come on. He's one hundred percent talking about Doodle Ferris. He's uh, not necessarily I know. <laughs> I'm just trying to create smoke where there is none. Don't Pat. do that. Um well, don't get Doodle on against me. He'll if he don't care, he'll come. <laughs> <laughs> That, that right I, there, I folks, really is... Wasn't, I really wasn't pointing the finger at Doodle. This <laughs> one, but There's the quote Doodle, of the show right there. Doodle's just 
truly careless. Like he's having fun. Right. <laughs> if he crashes his car that night, he's more just so careless about his own car. that I think he starts to feel bad later that he hurt someone else's. But then when everybody yells at him and gets mad, he's kind of like, well, screw you guys. It's racing. Yes, but I don't think he intends to. No, I think he has a good time. You know, it, he had a scary moment in the one hour. He got hit so oh, he hard. He got his clock clean. He got hit so hard it knocked his damn helmet and glasses off. And uh, yeah. I've given I've given Doodle tons of shit here on this show, but the the first and only thing I said when I was, we when we did the recap show was I'm really happy he's okay, really happy. Yeah, yeah. same. But I'd be lying, and I brought this up in the three hour recap show. I'd be lying if it didn't seem like he was a little bit gun shy headed into the crossover for the three hour. I thought to myself maybe he was like that on purpose because he he came out the gate knowing he was an alternate, so maybe he had a different mindset. Like, well, I'm already an alternate. I just need to make laps and see where we fall, versus starting in the starting field mid pack. Like, I gotta get to the front and win. Maybe he just changed his uh, method of driving for that one. You know who I who I'd hoped would have done better simply because he didn't have a chance to race at all. Uh, this season was Mike, Mike Hadley Jr. It was awesome to see him start. He was in, he, he qualified really, really good, uh, but I, I believe he was having car issues. I think that's what's going to happen when you have, you know, and you can tell me because I'm, I'm, I'm not a driver, but a, a, a new kind of unproven car. I knew he practiced it, but I don't think he had enough time in that car. Well, this one that he ran in the three-hour was actually his older one that he felt good in, the one he won the three-hour with. Okay, well, fair. See, that's why you asked the questions. I told. That's right. We warned you. We're gonna. We're, we're gonna not. Ask. We're not smart men about figure that's eight not. racing. We're still learning right. everything, and so you have to forgive us. It's okay. I don't mind at all. All right, uh, listen, man. We appreciate it. Uh, we've kept you long enough. Starting to get late. We really. Uh, we we love to have you on again. We'll be in touch with you. Uh, it's going to be a long winter, especially now that he and I are addicted to figure eight racing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I enjoy talking about figure eight racing anytime and. I like all the questions you guys ask, so you're not bothering me at all. For the crossover, For the cro- I'm Josh. I'm Mikey. I'm Ben. Be good. Or be good at it. Thank you, Thank buddy. Thank you, sir.